Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Pastor Paul is going to come up and do the message, and I'll be teaching downstairs. If you could turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles 28. This is the Old Testament, one of the historical books. And I'm bringing to you, the congregation, the same message I brought to the men yesterday at the men's retreat. Um, because I thought it was applicable not just to men. We were talking about um, David being a man after God's own heart, the Bible says, right? And what that looks like and the characteristics of a man after God's own heart. But honestly, the characteristics and the qualities of a man after God's own heart can be for anybody. Uh, Man, woman, child. Uh, We had some young Uh, young boys there yesterday, 10, 11, 12, uh, 13, uh, they they just soaked it all in. And so it's good to learn at any age and no matter if you're you're a man or a woman. So 1 Chronicles 28, and it's kind of based on um, a book that we were going through called The Making of a Man of God by Alan Redpath. And it's about it's about what happened, what, how do you leave a legacy? How do you leave a, a godly legacy? Um, and what is a legacy? A legacy, you know, really is um, making our mark on this world. It's about ensuring that we, the life we led was, uh, it mattered, and that we made the most of it, most of the time that God has given us. And so that's kind of what a legacy is. You know, Alan Redpath says in his book, one day our last sermon will have been preached, our testimony will have been given, our last piece of service will have been rendered. But there is even now the opportunity to ask ourselves, has my life been worthwhile? Has it brought heaven any nearer? Has it made the Lord Jesus more real and more precious to others? How much of my work can stand the test of judgment before a holy God? Has any of it been gold, silver, precious stones, or has it only been wood, hay, and stubble? So, you know, he says those are serious questions. And I think they are. They're solemn questions that we all can ask. But, you know, as I get into my golden years, so to speak, you know, we, we would maybe think that those are good questions to ask as we start to get older and maybe, you know, we have kids and grandkids and want to pass on those, uh, that wisdom to the next generation. But I think it's good at any age. And I think be, it's good at any age because, you know, when we're younger, you know, we have the opportunity, we have uh, the ability to make the changes in our life that we need to, that as God is showing us to do those things so that we can leave a godly legacy to the next generation. 
You know, the title of the message today is based on uh, Red Path's book, um, Handing on the Torch. And it's a phrase used to describe the passing of something to the, to the next one in line, right? The torchbearer is that leader, the person that others will look up to or look to for guidance and for wisdom, for knowledge, for understanding. And that person is always easy to see up ahead. And when it's time for that torch to be passed, right, that person gives the torch which you know, metaphorically represents maybe responsibility or experience, knowledge, right, availability, all the things that they've, that they've learned throughout their life, and they want to pass that on now to the next person. And so now they take that torch, right, and they, they continue that race to accomplish those goals, to meet those goals, you know, and then prayerfully they pass that on to the next person in line. So that's kind of what this talks about. But, but more than leaving our mark on the world, which sounds very big and grandiose, right? Really, our legacy is more about our interaction with other people. Pericles, a, a Greek a statesman, said, what you leave behind is not what is engraved in stone monuments, but what is woven into the lives of others. Now, we know that. We know that those are the most important things. How do we speak into the lives of others? How are our interactions with our friends, our family, our coworkers, our our fellow students, how do those make their lives better? And how is God showing us those things that he wants us to pass on? Now, of course, we look to Jesus as our greatest example. You know, the, the one who left the biggest mark on this world, bigger than any uh, ever that came before or after Jesus. And he left that mark. He says in, it says in John 17, 4, you know, he had a, he had a purpose. He had a, a, God gave him a, a mission, you know, and he fulfilled it perfectly. In John 17, 4, as Jesus is praying in the garden, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work you have given me to do. And that's our goal, to finish the work that God has given us. Now, each of us has a different purpose, a different mission in this life. And we have to find out, you know, through our times of prayer and as, you know, we study the Word and maybe sometimes through other people who can show us things that we don't see in in ourselves, what our mission is, what God's will is for our lives. And then, we, then our, our life's goal is to what? Fulfill the, the mission that God has given us. And we can do it. You know, Jesus is our example, right? He poured into the lives of others, not just making a mark on this world, but he poured into the lives of others. And this is, again, the example for us. And since He did that and He is God and now He's given us His Holy Spirit, we can also do that. We need to be spiritually alert to those things that God wants us to do in the lives of others. In John 14, you know, as the disciples were kind of, 
you know, being doubtful of, of what was going on, and Jesus was telling them, I have to go to the cross, and they were kind of scared. He tells them, you know, uh, let not your heart be troubled. And then he goes on and he tells them, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, God's given us the Holy Spirit as believers in dwelling in us to do those things that he's called us to do. And, you know, Jesus says here, the world can't receive that because they don't see him or know him, but we know him. For those who are believers in the Lord Jesus, we've received the Holy Spirit. We know that he dwells in us and will empower us to do what he's called us to do. So our purpose in this life is the same as Jesus, to glorify God with our lives and to pour into the lives of others. You know, our life has to always be an overflow, an overflow of God's grace and His wisdom and His mercy flowing into us, but then to overflow onto the lives of others. We can't store it up and and hoard it. It needs to be something that we want to, to give to other people, and that's how God works through us. And each of you have your own sphere of influence where you have an ability to do that in a place or with people that somebody else doesn't have. So you're unique in that. You're unique in that. And that's the awesome thing. So so this record here in, in 1 Chronicles 28 is a record of David passing the torch to his son Solomon and by extension, the nation of Israel, who were all in attendance, all of the leaders, and by extension, it's a message to us to pass on that godly legacy. So we're going to see what this chapter is all about. We're going to take big chunks, and then we're going to kind of break it apart a little bit. And um, let's, see what, let's see what this looks like practically And in verses 1 through 7 in 1 Chronicles 28, it says, Now David assembled at Jerusalem all the leaders of Israel, the officers of the tribes and the captains of the divisions who served the king, the captains over thousands and the captains over hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possessions of the king and his sons, with the officials, the valiant men, and all the mighty men of valor, Then King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. I have it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made preparations to build it. But God said to me, You shall not build a house for my name because you have been a man of war and have shed blood. However, the Lord God of Israel chose me above all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he had chosen Judah to be the ruler and the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he was well pleased with me to make me king over all Israel. And all of my sons, for the Lord has given me many sons, he has chosen my son Solomon 
to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. Now he said to me, it is your son Solomon who shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever if he is steadfast to observe my commandments and my judgments as it is this day. So we see here in these verses a few, a few things. And Redpath calls this the, the blessing of a frustrated desire. I, calls it, I call it the mixed emotions of un, unrealized ambitions. And we all have them. You know, David had dreams and ambitions and desires, things he wanted to accomplish in his life. And, you know, his greatest hope was to build a, a temple for the Lord. And ours may not be that impressive uh, to the outside world or that ambitious, but they're still important. They're important to us. And if God has given us those things, it's important to God, right? But David, you know, was not allowed to do that. First Chronicles 17, 1, we see this account where David is speaking to the prophet Nathan, and he says, now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, see, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Remember, the, uh, they didn't have a temple. You know, they had uh, temporary structures, tabernacle, and they would maybe move around uh, all of the articles and all of the implements of worship. And David felt like, well, you know, I live in a, a, a beautiful home and God's stuff is just in a tent. So his desire was good. His desire was righteous. There's nothing wrong with, with what he wanted to do. It's just that what God had, God had other plans. You know, the, the prophet Nathan encouraged David to follow through with his plans to build a temple for the Lord. You know, he said... God told Nathan, you know, I haven't dwelt in a house in all the time that we've been in the land. See, God had other plans. God decided he wanted to do something different. He said, I've been moving from temporary dwelling to temporary dwelling and even in the hearts of the people, but I will, build a, I will have a house built for me, God told Nathan, but it won't be by David. It'll be by his son Solomon. Now, when we hear that, you know, we think, well, that might be tough to accept. You know, we had this dream, and we were going to do great things for, for the Lord, and, and God uh, decided to put us on the sideline for some, for some reason. And God had his reasons. You know, David was a man of war. Um, he shed much blood. We spoke uh, yesterday at the men's retreat about, you know, uh, his, you know some of the wartime conquests of David and his men, you know. Um, but so, so God wanted a man of peace. And, you know, think about, you know, David, he was, he was humbled, you know, when Saul was king, even though David was the anointed, you know, Saul was standing in that place and David humbled himself underneath that. And, you know, the Bible talks about David being a man after God's own heart. And, and yet we see here that God had different plans. What happens when our desires and our ambitions for the Lord are dashed? Maybe uh, we would react in a different way. I love how David responded 
David says in, in the record here in First Chronicles 17, in verse 25 through 27, says, says, For you, O Lord, have revealed to your servant that you will build, you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. And now, Lord, you are God, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever, for you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. Now David's response is awesome, because his response to those unrealized uh, dreams and ambitions is not bitterness to the Lord, but prayer and praise to God. He recognized the Lord's authority in what he was going to do. He recognized God's righteousness in his decisions, even though it wasn't what he had planned, it wasn't what David had planned, even to the point of saying, Lord, I wanted to build you a house but you've turned it around and you're building me a house. Now imagine that. Imagine the Lord pouring blessings down upon you in, in a way even much more than you can imagine if your dreams were realized, if your ambitions for God were realized. You know, God built a house for David, an everlasting kingdom for David. And how did that work? It worked through David's offspring. Jesus was in the line of David. And Jesus, there's a house forever, an everlasting kingdom. You know, maybe we had big dreams or have big dreams for the Lord, maybe being a missionary to a far country and, you know, bringing the gospel to a lost people or, you know, being a, a preacher before thousands and, and bringing the message uh, of the gospel and changing lives and, um, you know, maybe our ambitions are smaller and, and not as, as grandiose, but maybe God has you know, kind of taken us away from that, taken that away from us. God has different plans. We need to always be um, attentive to how he leads us. Proverbs 16.9 tells us a, man, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Now, we have, may have things that we want to do for the Lord, good things, but God's going to do things his way. Sometimes we get it backwards, don't we? Sometimes instead of wanting God to use us to work out his plan, we want to use God to work out our plan. Sometimes we say, hey, God, why don't, can you bless these plans of mine? I know they're not your plans, God, but, they're, but you know, it's what I want. Sometimes we kind of have it backwards. And when that happens, who gets the glory? Well, not God, because they were your plans. That was what you wanted to do. Now, when we are aligned with God, he gives us what? The desires of our heart. So the whole, the whole goal in this walk as Christians is to align our will with God's will. Then there won't be any unrealized ambitions because everything that we do will be according to God's perfect plan for our lives. Now, we don't always do that. Or I, may I even say we rarely do that. 
But when we do, you know, you guys can attest to the fact that when you're in God's will and you know it, what, what an awesome thing that is. You sense his will for your life. You're obedient to that. And now he blesses you in what you, your desire was because your desire was his desire. Now, we, we need to try to align ourselves with God's will for our lives. But how we react to God maybe removing that from us is also a legacy to those behind us, those who come after us. David chose to glorify God. David chose to praise God, even though God didn't allow those dreams to be realized because David realized that God's desires need to be the priority. God's plans, God's will needs to be the priority. And so he was blessed, David was blessed to say, God, I know that I didn't get what I wanted, but you're going to bless beyond Imagine David, we're still talking about David, you know, as a man after God's own heart. Now, did he leave a legacy or what? He wasn't perfect, right? We talk about David's sin. We talk about a few things that, you know, are, are recorded in the scriptures about David's life that, you know, most of us can say we never, well, we never did that. But overall, you know, David is this man who desired to please the Lord. So going on in, in, in 1 Chronicles 28, we start to see David now giving instructions to his son Solomon and, and to the people of Israel. And in verses 8 through 10, it says, Now therefore, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord, and in the hearing of our God, be careful to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God that you may possess this good land, and leave it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. For you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a loyal heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the intents of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever." Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. David now giving instruction to his son to do the work that David desired to do. He did it in humility. He did it praising the Lord. And he did it in sincerity. You know, he, 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 he genuinely, you can sense from the words that are recorded here, you can sense David's heart really desiring to give this to his son Solomon and say, here, this is for you now. This is for you. David's instructions to Solomon, the first thing is to seek, to seek, to seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. Now, we talked a little bit about this yesterday at the men's retreat. It's not really in us to seek out commandments of the Lord. We will do those things that we know are pleasing to the Lord. We will try not to do those things that are not pleasing to the Lord. But to seek out commandments from God, it's, 
it's really not in our, in our wheelhouse. It's not something that we naturally would tend to do. But how important is it to our walk and to the walk of those who we want to pour into to encourage and exhort to seek out the commandments of the Lord? Because his commandments are a blessing. And, you know, it sounds like, it sounds like they, those two things wouldn't go together. When you command somebody to do something, how can that be a blessing? And it, but it is, because it's from the Lord. And his commandments are good for us. It says in 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. They're a blessing. They're a blessing. We need to, I think, change our mindset about what a commandment of God really is. A commandment of God is not a burden placed on us. Remember, the commandments, re, remember the, the religious uh, echelon uh, of Israel, uh, and the Pharisees uh, added like 600 rules to the Ten Commandments that became a burden to the people. They could never, ever fulfill all of those things. And so they tried and they tried and they tried. And sometimes, and even to today, you know, we look and we see, uh, you know, some uh, sincere Orthodox um, religious groups who try to continue to obey all of those rules and regulations to the point where it becomes a burden, a burden. God did not have intend to place a burden on us. You know, if the Bible tells us that if you have the Son, you are free indeed. He wanted us to be free in Him, not to be burdened by, by rules and regulations. So the commandments of the God are freeing, not burdensome. So it, it prove, And it proves that we love God. If you love God, you'll keep His commandments. And the blessing that comes from that is you benefit. We benefit, right? Because God's commandments are always good for us, amen? It also demonstrates our faithfulness to God. You know, in 1 John 2, 5, it says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Are we faithful to God? Do we keep his commandments? Do we keep those things that he's entrusted to us? Or do we just keep the ones that we want to keep? And so this, is, this shows our faithfulness to God. It also shows the world, those outside of the faith, maybe friends, family, co-workers, whoever it might be, it shows the world where our priorities are. 1 Peter 2.12 says, Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now that's interesting because it's really easy for our conduct to be honorable when we're in church amongst believers. You know, and I joked yesterday, you know, it's just, 
it just pours out. Hey, brother, how you doing? Brother, praying for you and, you know, lifting you up, bro. And, you know, all the legalese comes out and it's just, you know, it's, it's, e- it's easy to be honorable amongst one another. But going out into the world, you know, do we shy away from that? You know, do they see our conduct? You know, I, I, I remember when I was in the working world, uh, you know, the, the real secular working world, um, you know, our conduct was always observed. It was observed by your supervisors and your bosses, and it was observed by your fellow coworkers. And so, you know, uh, when they saw you, how you worked, that was a message to them where your priorities are. Were you a hard worker? You know, were you, did you show up on time? You know, all of those things. So your conduct is, yeah, it's got to be honorable amongst the brethren, but amongst the Gentiles, amongst those who are outside of the faith, you know, it's even more important. Because if we're no different than the world, you know, if, we, if, if you show up late to work and do just the bare minimum to get by, well, you're just like everybody else, pretty much. You know, or even maybe worse than some. some. But you need to be, you know, uh, your conduct needs to be honorable among that. If we're no different than the world, why would they want a relationship with God? Why would they look to us and say, hey, you know, you're not, you're not any different. You know, I don't need your Jesus. You know, he hasn't done anything in your life that would be, you know, desirable for me. So, so that, that becomes an, an issue that you have to now overcome, you know? And the problem for us as Christians, and this is not, I'm not you know, downplaying this, this is, it's not easy, is to stand up against the culture. It's not easy because we see the culture you know, in decline. You know? And as Christians, we know the truth and we, you know, we desire to stand up against that, you know, which again is our conduct Amongst, the, amongst those who are outside. So ultimately we need to decide, is this honoring to God or not? You know, and, and when the world looks at us, when those in our family who you know, maybe don't believe look at us, what do they see? Do they see us honoring God with our lives or just doing everything that the world does? Second instruction to Solomon here by his father David is to know and serve. And look what he says. Know the God of your father and serve him. I love that. He doesn't say, know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Know the God of your father, he says. He makes it intimate. He makes it personal to Solomon. You know, when, you know as, as parents, we want to pass down good things to our kids and our grandkids. But we want them to see that we have a relationship with God that we're not just telling them, you know, to know God, but, but they can't see that relationship in what we do. They need to sense that. This has to be something that's intimate and personal. And it's not just to your children. It could be to your biological kids. It could be to your spiritual children. It could be to your coworkers. It could be to those that are serving alongside you in the church. You know, maybe... You're serving in a ministry and, and you know, you've, you've been a Christian for a long time and you have the diligence and 
you know, and all of that to, to serve the Lord faithfully. And those that are coming up alongside you, you know, they can, they can learn from that. So that's what we want to do. We want to, we want to show them that our relationship with God is something that we want for them. So they understand that, that that's what, that's what informs us. That's what uh, defines our life. That's what informs the decisions we make, and that's what guides our walk. It's all about how the Lord is working through our lives and then, and then d- desiring to pass that on to the next one. You know, uh, 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. Boy, as a parent, that is, a, that is just one dream that we always have, right? That our children are walking in the truth. You know, but, but if you don't have kids, it could be a, a, you know, a spiritual, you could be a mentor to someone. Or you could be that person that's just uh, coming alongside. But to, to know that you had an influence, you had, you had, um, you know, you were able to pass something on to that person for the Lord, that's, that's an awesome thing. No greater joy. No greater joy. And then David says to Solomon, just do it. Just do it. Be strong and do it, right, in verse 10. And, uh, you know, we always do that here in this church. We always make application, right, because head knowledge is great. Knowing about God is, is great. Knowing the Bible is, is primary, right? But isn't putting feet on that really the most important thing? And what do we do? Do we walk out of these doors and just, you know, and forget it? Or do we just store it up in our, in our heads and, and not ever put it into practice? So he says here to Solomon, be strong and do it. Here, this is what the Lord has given you. I'm going to, you know, David, what's great about what David did was he had made all the preparation, right? This just came to me. I think of it in the, in the context of, you know, a, a restaurant, right? And you have the head chef and you have, all the, you have all the sous chefs and the prep guys and all of that. So they do all the prep work, but who gets the credit? The head chef, right? He uh, always happens. And those guys are, you know, chopping celery and onions and, you know, doing all that prep work, and he gets all the credit. But, but David was that prep guy because God told him, prepare all of these things and then have your son Solomon build me a, a temple. How, you know, that's just, that's humbling. That's humbling. You know, James one twenty two says, be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Deceiving yourselves. Why is that deceiving yourself? Well, because if we are hearers of the word, right, but we don't go out and put feet on that, we don't put it into practice, it's hypocritical. You know, we know the word. We know what God wants us to do. We know, you know, maybe God's telling us, speak to that person over there, you know, and we say, no, we're not going to do it. We're going to be hearers, but we're not going to be doers. So we deceive ourselves in those things. Spurgeon puts it this way. This is kind of a paraphrase from 
some quotes that he made over the years. He's an old preacher from uh, many years ago. He put it this way, when the preacher came home earlier than usual on a Sunday, his wife asked, dear, is the sermon all done already? He responded, it is all said, but it has not yet started to be done. It is all said, but it has not yet started to be done. You know, the, the message, message that is preached here is for our ears, but also for our whole being, for our hands, for our feet, to get out and to go do those things that God is calling us to do. You know, we walk out of these church doors and we walk into a world that's needy, that's wanting. And what do we bring them? What do we give them? Do we further God's kingdom when we, when we walk out of these doors? Redpath goes on in his book. He says, it may be only a little while until you will pass the torch to someone else. Can you speak to your dear ones and say to them, I can tell you all about the pattern of the porch of God's house. I can tell you all the ways to get in. Knock and it shall be open to you. Have you preached a Lord Jesus who is completely adequate for an empty life? Telling your friends that all the fitness they need to qualify for heaven is to cry to God for mercy. You know, the simplicity, right, of the salvation message is just cry out to God for mercy. Are we doing that? Do you, do you know the pattern of the porch of the temple and have you made the way clear to another? So those are questions to ask. Right? Have you made Jesus more real to others? And that's what, that's what pa- passing on a legacy is all about. Now we're going to go on as we kind of uh, get another chunk of this chapter um, under our belt, because this is where the pattern of the porch and all of the articles that God gave David, now he's going to pass on. He's going to pass on to Solomon. So in verses 11 through 19, it says, Then David gave his son Solomon the plans for the vestibule, its houses, its treasuries, its upper chambers, its inner chambers, and the place of the mercy seat, and the plans for all that he had by the Spirit of the courts of the house of the Lord, of all the chambers all around, of the treasuries of the house of God, and of the treasuries for the dedicated things, also for the division of the priests and the Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, and for all the articles of service in the house of the Lord. He gave gold by weight for things of gold, for all articles used in every kind of service, also silver for all articles of silver by weight, for all articles used in every kind of service, the weight of the lampstands of gold and their lamps of gold by weight for each lampstand and its lamps, for the lampstands of silver by weight for the lampstand and its lamps according to the use of each lampstand, and by weight he gave gold for the tables of showbread for each table and for silver for the tables of silver and for also pure gold for the forks, the basins, the pitchers of pure gold, the golden bowls. He gave gold by weight for every bowl and for silver bowls, silver by weight for every bowl 
and refined gold by weight for the altar of incense and for the construction of the chariot, that is, the gold cherubim, that spread their wings and overshadowed the ark of the covenant of God. All this, said David, the Lord made me understand in writing by his hand upon me all the works of these plants. Details. Details. How much weight of gold is in each lampstand, is in each implement, is in each article of silver. How to uh, fashion and form all of the things that are used for the service of the Lord, all of these details. So David now is passing this on to Solomon. And think of it in the context of this, not of the articles themselves, but in the intimacy of the relationship that David had with God, that he got all of those details from the Lord and that he was able to pass them on then to his son. That's a special, close relationship that David had with God and that God felt him worthy to entrust to him all of this, all of these details, right, for the plans of his temple. See, David's desire to build God a temple was not a bad desire. God actually gave him the plans to do so. So God honored him in that, entrusted him with that. And he recognized in David the integrity and faithfulness that he had to guard these plans and to guard the word of the Lord as essential, essential to who David was. And then handing on that torch to the next generation. So for us, what does that look like? Are we, are we willing to, to pass on the details of our life to that next person? To sit down and say, you know, I, I've, I've, I've fallen and I've, I've failed in many ways, but God's helped me and he's, he's shown me the way and, and uh, let, me, let me be real with you. Let me give you the details of my life, right? You know how God blesses us by working in and through us all the many times of our life, how we can pass those things on to someone else, right? The inner rooms, the intimate times that we had with the Lord, all the treasures that God has poured down upon our lives. You know, do we give that to the next person? Do we show them how God is working in our lives? Do we desire to pass that on? You know, he talks about the mercy seat. How many times have we received mercy from God and grace to just keep going through the difficult things? You know, do we hold that in? Do we pass that on to the next person? Do we desire to do that? The mercy you receive from the Lord in abundance, but also the trials. You know, are you willing to share the details of your life? You know, all the intimate, intimate things, the times of falling, the times of getting back up. You know, because honestly, this is the reality of who we are. This is the reality of life. This is the reality of who we are as believers. And we want to be able to share that with somebody. Now that that might be just one person in your life. 
That might be just one person in your life that you have that desire that you want to share that with. Don't be afraid to open up the intimate parts of your life to share with somebody. They, they know you care when you do that. They know that you're going to be vulnerable with them by sharing those things and desire to do that. So David's final exhortation here to Solomon was, be strong and of good courage and do it. And do it. Be brave. Be brave. First Chronicles 29.30. You know, well, I'm going I'm to... Let's finish up here in, in 28, uh, the last two verses, and then we'll get to that last final verse. So in uh, verses 20 to 21, it says, And David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God, my God, will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you until, until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. Here are the divisions of the priests and the Levites, all the service for all the service for, of the house of God, and every willing craftsman will be with you for all manner of workmanship, for every kind of service. Also the leaders and all the people will be completely at your command. So David here giving an encouragement to Solomon and you know, passing on those plans and passing on his dreams and his desires and his ambitions, even though they weren't realized in his life. But David still had a part in the building of the temple. He still had a part in the furtherance of God's kingdom. He still had a part in, you know, in his desire being realized even through someone else. We need to be humble enough to understand how God works in those things. But, but notice that David here again is telling Solomon the, about the intimacy of his relationship with God. He says here, do not be dismayed, in verse 20, for the Lord God, and he could have just stopped there, will be with you, but he didn't. He said, the Lord God, my God, will be with you. Solomon, I want you to know the relationship that I have with God. It's a personal thing. I'm sharing with you my God. Not, you know, sometimes we think of God as kind of, you know, uh, uh, at, you know, at arm's length, right? This big entity that, you know, we can't touch. You know, we have no relationship with. David was saying, no, this is, this is personal. This is my God. I'm sharing with you my heart for the Lord. And, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So he hands over the plans for the temple to Solomon. He hands over his dreams to that next one to do the work that, that was going to be done, that God wanted done. First Chronicles 29, as we just close up, gives us kind of a sense of, um, you know, of David here with all his reign and his might in verse 30 and the times that went over him and over Israel and over all the kingdoms of all the countries. Talking about, you know, we're not all of the 
All of the things that David did, were they not written down, and they were in, in the, the records in the Bible of Kings and Chronicles, it was all written down. Were they not written down these things about the times that went over him? What are the times that went over David? Well, the times of him, you know, being in, in uh, obscurity, in the, uh, you know, tending the sheep, you know, not even being thought of as one uh, who might be king. Remember, when Samuel came to choose the next king, he went through all of Jesse's sons, and David was out in the field, and he wasn't even considered. You know, until, until the Lord told Samuel, he's the one. He's the one. And so, you know, the times of David's life, so the circumstances of his life, you know, being in obscurity in the, in the field, tending the sheep to, you know, to... Uh, you know, ki- killing the bear and, and, you know, and protecting the sheep and, and then rising up in, in fame as king and conquering many kingdoms to his sin all the times of his life, to his intimacy. I mean, think of, his, think of the Psalms themselves, that legacy that David left behind of the Psalms. He gives us his heart through those psalms. You know, we see all of the times that went over him, all of the circumstances. And for us, what are the circumstances of your life? God's writing your story. He's writing your story, using everything that's happened to you up to this point, from a child, through your difficulties, whatever they might have been, through your, through your victories. God is writing your story. And this, these are the times of our lives. These are the times that God writes his word upon our hearts and he completes that book, which is us. But then we want to pass that on. We want to tell people about the times of our lives, times of trials, times of difficulties, times of abundance and blessings, of sinning and repenting, of searching, right? The times we were searching for God, the times we found him, the times we rested in God. These are all the circumstances of our life. And this is what we want to leave to others. We want to share with them the intimacy of our relationship with, with the Lord, not about facts and figures and, and, you know, and just spurting out Bible verses. It's good to know the Bible. It gives us everything we need for, for life and godliness, the, it says. There's nothing more that we need. But we need to personalize it, don't we? We need to make it our own. We need God has to be our God. The stories have to be our stories. And then we pass them on and prayerfully, you know, people will pick that up, pick up that torch and keep going, glorifying God with their lives. And hopefully we can look back and we said, you know, we said we we did well. And God will tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a, those are the best words that I could ever, we could ever hear, right? Coming from God's, God's mouth to us. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that you're writing our story. And whatever that 
whatever that looks like, you know, with the, uh, with the beauty that's in it, with the ugliness that sometimes is in it. Lord, we know that your hand is upon us and uh, we desire to do your will. But, um, Lord, give us the strength as your, as your children to just get through all of these things, the circumstances of our life, and then to, to tell others about what you're doing in our lives. And, you know, maybe there's someone here who's uh, not yet a believer, and they're wondering, how does this apply? How does this apply to my life? Um, you know, I don't know God, or I'm just learning about God. You know, I don't have that. I, don't, I, I want that intimate relationship with the Lord, you know, but I don't have that yet. I, I can't pass that on. To the next person. Well, the first step is to just give your life to the Lord. Give your life to God. You know, His plans for you are good. His commands are not burdensome. You know, we need to get to a point where we give, we, we give up our dreams and desires for what God's dreams and desires are. And hopefully they'll sync up some points in our life. And God's not, you know, he doesn't want to, he's not a killjoy, he doesn't want to mess with our dreams. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. But we need to be aligned with him. So we're going to give you an opportunity, if that's, if that's something that you want and you don't have that, you don't have the intimacy that we talked about, the details of a relationship with the Lord, we're going to give you an opportunity as Noemi plays a song to come forward and we'll pray and then you just start your relationship with the Lord from there. So you come. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.